Hi, this is Tanya Domi. Welcome to The Thought Project, recorded at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, fostering groundbreaking research and scholarship in the arts, social sciences, and sciences. In this space, we talk with faculty and doctoral students about the big thinking and big ideas generating cutting-edge research, informing New Yorkers and the world. Charles Tien is a professor of political science at Hunter College and at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Tien is an Americanist whose research interests include Congress, quantitative research methods, and representation of minorities and women in the U.S. Congress. Professor Tien weighs in today on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's call last night for a formal impeachment inquiry into President Trump's admitted efforts to reach out to the Ukraine president to secure an investigation of former U.S. Vice President Joe Biden and his son for alleged corruption. Welcome back to The Thought Project, Professor Tian. Thanks for having me. Well, today is a really, really big day. We're here less than 24 hours after the House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, announced that the House of Representatives will formally conduct an impeachment inquiry, given these recent revelations about about the Ukraine situation that was precipitated by a whistleblower complaint yet to be revealed. That was big news, historic news, and uh, Nancy Pelosi essentially um, saying that that everything that the House has been doing now will be framed um, by impeachment, and and that the right the end goal here is to see if um, uh, what the six House committees are are investigating mount to impeachable offenses. So you think she was pushed? Uh, partially, I think it's a it's a push pull relationship um, with all speakers um, and and their uh, members. Uh, you know the members give the tools to to to, to their leaders to to, to lead, um, but the leaders have to lead in the direction that the members want to go. And so at this point, I think with the revelations over the weekend about the phone call um, with the Ukrainian president, um, there were enough members that um, were convinced that the speaker had to start an impeachment inquiry. Yes, and and on Monday night there was a group of seven freshmen. Uh, members in the Democratic caucus who are in Trump districts that Trump won in their states, and they signed an op-ed basically saying this is this is more than politics. This is about our responsibility to uphold and respect the Constitution. I think that was a big moment. I think so. Um, all members and 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 the speaker as well. I, I think they are always thinking about about re-election and uh, the 2020 election weighs large on, on the speaker's mind. And, and so when you have, you know, these vulnerable uh, freshmen uh, who are responsible for the, the 2018 takeover uh, coming forward and saying that they're on board now for an impeachment inquiry, uh, I think Pelosi um, right takes that as a, as a message that to not act um, on impeachment is also a threat to uh, the Democratic majority. Absolutely. I think if they had bypassed this and if they decided not to take this up, I think there would have been outrage from the rank and file. And I think it would have demobilized Democrats across the country as well. I think so. I think that's right. Um, 
AOC, uh, who gets a lot of press, um, especially, uh, you know, uh, us in New York here, um, said the big issue now wasn't what Trump had been doing, but the big issue now is is why Democrats weren't moving on impeachment. You know, Pelosi uh, has to be thinking about um, 1998 and and the Clinton impeachment, um, where Republicans kind of overplayed uh, their hand, and uh, you had a historic defeat for Republicans, and many be- believe because that was uh, right of, of the impeachment of Bill Clinton. And Newt Gingrich, the Speaker of the House, had to resign, not because he lost his, his reelection bid, but uh, because um, Republicans lost seats in a midterm for the first time since, uh, I think, the 1930s. Absolutely. And I think that some Republicans are actually taunting Democrats with that prospect, saying, you're making a mistake, you're making a mistake. Um, But what's interesting is as of an hour ago, 211 Democrats had formally committed to impeachment. Uh, I think Pelosi is held back because she wanted to pr- she wants to protect that majority. And just as you've said, there's tensions there about, you know, how far can you go and not act? We'll talk about what we think, how this could affect uh, the, the uh, 2020 presidentials. But given now this release of a transcript, it's not official. It has been reported by Associated Press and other media outlets that this is the recollections of officers listening in on the call, and it's their personal uh, notes that contributed to this transcript. So it's not literal. Uh, It's sort of subjective about what maybe the officer thought was important. But the the main, main points coming out in the media right now, and boy, is it live streaming on every platform in America, is that The information that's been shared is quite damning of the president's actions. Right. So analysis I've read is, is, you know, in the transcript, there's no uh, explicit quid pro quo, um, but there's coded language. Um, Trump saying that that America's been great for, for Ukraine, but Ukraine hasn't necessarily reciprocated. Um, and that uh, Trump wants a favor uh, of the Ukrainians. Um, so, it, you know, reading between the lines uh, and, and the fact that uh, foreign aid had been withheld by, by Trump uh, a week before the call all suggests that um, right, Trump was asking uh, for action in return for um, foreign aid. He literally asked for help from Ukraine. And he basically, not only did he do that, but as you have mentioned, he also blocked appropriation under the Congress to Ukraine, which is now in a war, an active war in eastern Ukraine with, a, with Russia. And one of the, the um, main uh, recent interactions with the Ukraine government going back to 2014 was, would you give up your nuclear warheads? And if you do, the United States will help you defend yourself with with conventional war uh, arms that it's standard for any country. And so this this withholding also, you could argue, you know, leaves them quite vulnerable at this moment. Absolutely. Um, the funds have sub- subsequently been released Um and and um, you know this this releasing of the transcript, I think, is probably uh, 
the best uh, piece of evidence that that Trump has in all of this. And uh, apparently the whistleblower didn't even know about about this specific call. So, um, you know, we're, we're, what we're really talking about is a, is a series of, of calls and actions, uh, most of which, uh, you know, we don't know uh, anything about yet. There's going to be much more, I think, uh, forthcoming. to coming. Yes. Yeah, it'll be forthcoming. So, as a matter of fact, in the Senate... The acting uh, director of national intelligence, James McGuire, is going to testify. It's a standard oversight uh, meeting. Unfortunate for him that that he's going to have to talk because he has not released the whistleblower uh, complaint, which was characterized as being urgent by the inspector general uh, at DNI. And um, it has been reported that the Attorney General of the United States has advised him not to release it, and uh, that actually obstructs the law as it is intended. So we're seeing here uh, the Constitution play out in real time, uh, right? It's supposed to be uh, checks and balances, um, and I think the the challenge that, that the Congress is facing is how do you deal with an administration uh, that is not, um, you know, willingly participating or following the law? And here the law clearly states that the whistleblower's report should be made available to Congress. Uh, we'll see what happens, but my guess is um, there'll be uh, right continued um, blocking of of everything that that Congress has wanted from this administration. And so, uh, what can Congress do in response? Uh, Congress could, I guess, start to uh, find the individuals uh, that are actually obstructing their investigation. Uh, some have even. Um, written about uh, maybe jailing some of these members of the administration. Uh, and so, uh, you know, over the next couple of months, the important uh, thing to watch for is, is, is how much uh, the administration will continue to obstruct, obstruct, uh, and, and what Congress uh, can do about that. Speaking of that, I mean, it's my understanding that the courts see uh, impeachment as an elevated authority, that's w- which is... Uh, in the Constitution. So it has greater legal uh, importance. So as you have indicated and we've all been watching, uh, the administration has refused to honor any subpoenas or any requests for documents. But it has been said by those authorities on the Congress and on the legal importance of impeachment, that this was probably a likely outcome because they've been so frustrated, they haven't been able to get anything. Courts are probably going to back them with a formal impeachment inquiry. So I think what's happening now is is Congress is trying to make a case uh, to the public. You know, you could you could say that that the Mueller report provided plenty of of ammunition or information uh, to impeach the president. Uh, but that message was uh, not necessarily clear enough for the public of, uh, for, for, for impeachment. Um, this seems to be a, a cleaner story uh, that— um, It's easier to tell. Right, e- easier to tell. Uh, Trump has actually uh, admitted to doing the things that he's been accused of doing. Well, he's been bragging about it, almost taunting the public about it. So Congress probably could 
vote uh, based on on what information that they have already. But it's it's the I think the desire of Congress um, to bring along the public and and uh, I guess a poll released uh, this morning was showing that um, taken over the weekend that that a majority of the public still wasn't there on on impeachment, but. Uh, you know, the the poll was in the field as as uh, the information about the call was was being released. So um, as as more information is made available to the public in a digestible uh, format, uh, will public opinion start start to change in the direction of, of right a majority of the country supporting uh, impeachment? Yeah, I think that the Democrats have a messaging challenge here. It's an easier challenge. I mean, the Mueller report was was essentially suppressed and framed by Barr with a misleading memo. And then Mr. Mueller himself was pretty obtuse in the way he spoke to the public about it. It was just not digestible. So now the Democrats have to rise to this this occasion, and I do think that it will cheer the rank and file. And when they go back to their districts and they talk, uh, they're they're going to have to really pound out some messaging here. Even if uh, the public uh, starts to support impeachment, I think Pelosi's greatest concern uh, still exists, which was if the House impeaches uh, and the Senate fails to convict. Trump will take that as as exoneration, as victory, and that will help him in the 2020 election, and that will help uh, Republicans uh, across the board in, in 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 Senate seats that they you know they have to defend 23 Senate seats, and and of course maybe even retake the House, and so. Um, you know, getting two thirds of the Senate to convict, I think, is a is a high hurdle, um, and it's you know, probably an unreachable one. Right, right, right now, it's right. an unreachable one for sure. And I don't think there's any clarity on on how the Senate would proceed. So, um, as you know, Mitch McConnell uh, is is you know capable of, of of probably doing anything to to defend uh, President Trump and you know that could be uh, even you know dismissing the the articles of impeachment uh, you know in a day or so there's so, so so there's I believe there are no clear rules for how the Senate has to proceed um, once articles um, of impeachment have been passed by the House I think that it's not even clear that there has to be um, a trial uh, in the Senate. Yeah, it'd be a wait-and-see situation. I agree with you. Um, according to the transcript that has been released by the White House, Trump asked President Zelensky of Ukraine to arrange for his staff to speak with William Barr about the crowd strike hack of the DNC. He wanted to clean that all up. He wanted to get an understanding of that. One. And two, President Zelensky indicated to President Trump uh, that his attorney, uh, his private attorney, Rudy Giuliani, had been in contact with his personal staff and that he would welcome him back to Ukraine. Why? Why would the president's private attorney be representing him to the Ukrainian government? That just seems, at its face, inappropriate. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, why is the uh, right the the private attorney and the uh, and why would the attorney general too? Why would he want the attorney general if the Mueller matter is resolved and it's done? Why would he want the attorney general to speak? 
uh, to I, I justice can only officials. guess maybe um, you know the they're considering a, a formal investigation of of uh, Hunter Biden and, and and Joe Biden, and so you know that would would involve the Department of Justice. Um, I guess Giuliani is is probably Trump's most trusted advisor, uh, even though he's not a right a, a White House employee. And so that may help him skirt some of the the legal issues that that might be in, in, involved uh, uh, with uh, you know the the members of the the White House National Intelligence Team uh, getting involved in this. I, I don't have a good answer, I think, to your question. Fair enough. We're we're only speculating right. here because we right. don't really know, but it is part of the discourse that's happening right now. Uh, the other thing that happened is that. James McGuire, uh, the acting director of national intelligence, rather Joseph McGuire, excuse me, um, he issued a statement. It's on the on the NDI, uh, National Defense uh, Intelligence Agency. It's actually on their website. And he he being a retired uh, naval officer, he uh, issued the following statement. Quote, I have sworn an oath to the Constitution 11 times in my 36 years of public service and view it as a covenant with every American that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of my office. I wonder, I wonder what he is personally thinking at this moment about the position he is now in because he accepted this acting role to serve in the Trump administration. I think uh, he's probably, you know, thinking, do I resign? Am I going to be dismissed? And, you know, what's my legacy here? Uh, do I follow the law, uh, which clearly states that the the whistleblower's report should be turned over? Um, I, I believe uh, he he probably thinks there's some, some serious uh, issues here that—, that uh, has to involve Congress. And so, you know, I think he's probably uh, dreading, like like maybe many people, uh, you know, his decision to, to work in the White House. True. Uh, very difficult position for Mr. McGuire is facing him in the morning. And I would just say that we ought to give some props to government employees who clearly were talking to the Washington Post on Monday because those stories dropped very quickly, and somebody has been talking a lot to the to to members of the press because this is one of the fastest moving stories I have ever seen. Right, government employees are also right working to uphold the Constitution. Um, and obviously there are serious concerns uh, that this whistleblower had about uh, a series of actions that, that uh, President Trump participated in. So um, I, I believe that, that you know, the, the story will unfold uh, in ways that probably will um, not benefit the president over the next week or so. So the whistleblower's uh, lawyers issued a statement yesterday— they uh, said, statement, the title is Statement Concerning the Intelligence Community Whistleblower. 
Uh, quote, our firm has represented our client from the outset, and he slash she has diligently followed the processes and laws that afford the greatest legal protections against reprisal. As legal counsel, it is our duty to ensure our client is fully protected, and apparently his or her legal counsel has informed the House Intelligence Committee that they want to come and testify this week. Chairman Schiff is now saying this person is going to testify by Friday. Now, that is a huge, big buzz in Washington. I think it's a act of bravery, um, clearly, uh, right, by, by this whistleblower. Um, it's probable but that that his identity will be leaked somehow um, and and you know when that happens uh, his personal life uh, will will Certainly. be turned upside yeah. down and, and so he has to to know that I think uh, so he's you know sacrificing uh, everything that uh, he has to, to to do this and so um, you know I think uh, you know he's a uh, He's a hero in this case. Yeah. Brave person, a very brave person. So let's go back to Pelosi just for one second, because this is a discussion and I've been having with a lot of my friends, friends who never worked in Washington like I did and worked on the Hill. And, uh, and you know, a lot of Democrats are like, well, this should have happened a long time ago. And I said, well, I just want to remind people, we don't really... Uh, impeach a lot of presidents. This has only happened, uh, actions against a president, it's only happened like this would be the fourth president. Uh, And the first one was in the 19th century. So she, I think, is rightfully concerned about her majority. And I have advised people that we may lose seats because these people who signed that op-ed are quite vulnerable to perhaps losing their seat. And I said, this is something you have to keep in mind. I also think I'd like to hear your uh, ideas about that this impeachment fight could actually put a lot of pressure on U.S. senators who are up for re-election in purple-blue states like Susan Collins in Maine, Cory Gardner in Colorado. You've got two open seats in Georgia, which is going purple And, of course, Tom Tillis in North Carolina, and you've got one seat open in Arizona that's going purple-blue. So I think it puts a lot of pressure on them. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Um, Members of Congress, senators, you know, they have to run on something um, every every time they're up for re-election. Usually that's something substantive, delivering health care, addressing climate change, doing something about gun violence. Uh, doing something about the opiate crisis. So there are plenty of things that everyday Americans um, right, are, are more concerned about than, than the actions of Donald Trump, probably. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so with yesterday's announcement, I think everything else that, that Congress does uh, f- you know, for the next six months to a year is going to be struggling to get some attention uh, in the media and... Um, these members that are, and, and senators who are running for your election, I think, are are fearful that, um, you know, the public is going to think you didn't deliver on on the things that that matter uh, to me and my family, right? Bread and butter issues, um, and and all we have is impeachment, and I don't really care about that. Right. 
I think fortunately in the House, they passed a lot of bills. However, none of it has passed because, as you know, Mr. McConnell's not passing anything. Uh, I think the Senate's got a pretty bad record because they haven't passed anything. But you're absolutely right. Everything stops now on policy and it's just to impeachment. I would also add like to hear your thoughts on this. I think it could actually deepen the polarization within the country. This is going to probably be a pretty nasty fight. Absolutely. Um, the Federalist Papers talked about impeachment and, and were concerned about uh, exactly what, what you said, deepening, right, deepening divides, deepening factions. Um, and, uh, you know, Trump is, is playing to his base uh, uh, today and 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 yesterday and ever since he's been um, elected. So I, I can't think of an instance where he was reaching beyond his base during his presidency, and that's what he's going to continue to do. Uh, I think until uh, right un- until the next election, um, and his base uh, has been responding uh, to him, and so his approval ratings haven't necessarily dropped uh, that low. We haven't I haven't seen anything recently. Um, but my guess is, uh, you know, his base will continue to support him. Uh, the poll over the weekend that asked about impeachment, uh, again, it was, uh, you know, only, I think, 4% sure. of Republicans uh, favoring impeachment. Uh, and, think, and, and so, uh, you know, everything— so 37% in the poll I saw support impeachment. Was, we're right at the beginning of this. Right, and we'll right. See so opinion can certainly change. Yeah, sure. But, but we view things through partisan lenses. Without a doubt, I I would also say that um, that this is going to be challenging to Democrats too, especially I think to the presidential candidates. Uh, they they've recently sort of been out of step with Congress. Maybe they'll all come together now. They're saying that the caucus is more unified than it has ever been since Pelosi's been Speaker. We shall see. It's going to be rough seas out there. Yes, how this plays out on on, on the um, presidential uh, Democratic primary will be fascinating to watch, especially since Joe Biden, uh, right? This his his actions are 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 mentioned in in this call, um, and then you've got uh, a couple of uh, candidates um, who've been calling for for impeachment uh, since the beginning of their campaign. That's true. Uh, Warren being really, I right. think, one of them, and, and Sanders, and it looks like Warren's now in the lead. She's taking a small lead. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy out there. The the coverage is going to be absolutely it's it's pretty manic right now. I mean, it's like wall to wall. That's part of my job here at the Graduate <laughs> Center. But we're going to be watching it, and we want to have you back to talk about this, Professor Tian. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for tuning in to The Thought Project, and thanks to today's guest, Professor Charles Tian of Hunter College and the Graduate Center. The Thought Project is brought to you with production, engineering, and technical assistance by Kevin Wolf of CUNY TV. I'm Tanya Domi. Tune in next week.